Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am here today with Anne-Marie Woodall, otherwise known as the High-Heeled Healer. <laughs> welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Thank you for coming down to Bournemouth. Oh, well, I tell you, as, well, as two fellow Mancunians, yeah. uh, I feel like we've got a lot in common. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, it's fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You are oh, I've been looking amazing. For it. I've been looking forward to it, really. You know, to get out there again. I've not been out there for quite a while, and it's really good to actually um, have a chance chance to share uh, the knowledge that I've learned and my path, which has been varied, but it's been an exciting path. Yeah. And to help people um, find their purpose and passion and whatever they want to do, it's all possibilities are here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to share. Great. Yeah. So we got, we are going to start with your yeah. journey, aren't we, Anne Marie? Yeah. So yeah, give us <laughs> give us the the quick canter through your very uh, colourful life. <laughs> oh well, born in Manchester, um, in the slum area. Uh, we when I was twelve, past me eleven, past me eleven plus. Went to a quite a good school, I suppose, for them days. And um, yeah, I got married at seventeen, pregnant at seventeen. Lasted about five minutes. <laughs> um, so in them days, you didn't have any uh, any money. You couldn't get anything from the government. So you have two or three jobs just to live. And uh, I was lucky. I've got to say I was lucky because I was quite good looking. So um, I was offered, um, oh God, do you remember Jeux Sans Frontier? Do you remember it? It's a knockout. Oh, it's a yeah. knockout. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was offered a job on that as the girl with the um, the numbers and everything. But I was also offered a job because I, I actually trained to be a croupier, a playboy in Manchester. So we did all that stuff in, you know, at the beginning, which was uh, quite traumatic and then ended up this glamorous world. So I ended up in Playboy and then moved down to London, uh, Mayfair. And when I was down there, they said to me, oh, darling, you should learn to speak correctly. And I went, sod off, go to elocution <laughs> classes. I went, no, I can't, I'm me. And the thing, I'm more me now than I was then, you know, yeah. so it's, the accent as I've got older has got even more broad, but... It works, and it's not about the accent, it's about the feeling you get between yeah. people, you know. So, um, yeah, oh God. So then I met my husband in the casinos, really good bloke, that's um, my son's dad. So I had a girl uh, when I was 17 and a boy when I was like 24. And we ended up running businesses and pubs and restaurants and that, which was pretty traumatic, pretty hard work. Um, yeah, it, but I mean, in the same, the lifestyle was great. I mean, there was so much going on and so much, after coming out of Playboy and working in casinos in London and that high life, ending up in a kitchen at 12 o'clock at night peeling potatoes and cleaning toilets. It was like, what happened? <laughs> anyway, um, that was the relationship ended. And I kept thinking, why did it end? What was it? Because I wasn't a particularly good wife. I was a good worker and a good business partner. But as a wife, it wasn't. I wasn't that great. And I didn't understand relationships at all. You know, I just saw my mum and dad and thought that's what it was like. I, I had no idea about emotional intelligence. I had no idea about your past and your beliefs. I had no idea about anything really. You know, you met mm. someone, you fancied them like mad. 
after three years, you didn't fancy him like mad. All of a sudden, all your stuff, which I realise now, comes up. So um, when I decided to leave, um, I was very lucky. I went on a Caribbean cruise and I didn't come back. <laughs> so I did a Shirley Valentine and I stayed over there. Um, I don't know, not too long, about two weeks. But it was, it was enough time to lie on a beach and really wish that my life could have been different. You know, that I could have been a better person or would have known more. And I remember lying on a big towel and wishing that my ex would come jogging up the beach and and it'd be all right just like in the movie you know mm. Shirley Valentine yeah didn't know who she was so she went to Greece to find out who she was and realized that she was better than than this little box she'd been put in and um and then I also looked on this great big towel that I was on and my mum my dad my brothers my sisters my ex-relationships were all there and I thought what are you all doing here you know I'm supposed to be here you know oming and getting some sense Anyway, I came back and um, I, I left, you know, I left the, the, the business and I moved about, I was about eight miles away. I had a house in the countryside. Mm. And while I was there, it was all, it was like early 90s. So there was a lot going on spiritually, but I wasn't into that world. I just thought, you know, I was more plastic. I mean, really plastic, that world about going out and having champagne and being seen rather than being mm. you. And um, I remember I was going, Tramps used to be a nightclub in London, which used to be like, uh, I mean, if you got in, you were lucky. And I got in because I knew friends that could get me in there. And I was going down the stairs one day and a girl from Playboy years ago said to me, and how are you doing? And the first time ever I said, actually, I'm not doing too well. And she said, what's wrong? I went, well, I'm getting divorced from Roger. And she went, oh, she said, there's a guy coming in from Hawaii called Dr. Chuck Spazzano. And he does workshops. And I went, What's a workshop? I thought a workshop was like a man with a brown overcoat and the sun newspaper <laughs> and doing shells. She said, no, no, he teaches psychology about relationships and about you and about why you behave the way you did. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? So I, I looked at the price and it was even then we're talking 91. It was 300 odd pound. I thought, not paying that. Mm. But I was in so much pain. Mm. I ju- and I didn't know his pain then because my bravado was still like, don't matter, I'll get someone else. And, you know, like as you do when you're like young. And um, I remember going there and it was called Love and Success the Easy Way. And I thought, well, forget love, but I could do some success business thinking it. I've gone in this and it's, it's called Painters Hall in London. It's an amazing building there. And in this building, I went in, there's probably 200 people there and they're really well-dressed. Mind you, paying 300 odd pound then a month. You've got to be uh, for one session yeah. for a three day or You've got to have some money. So I looked around and I thought, oh, he's nice. Dinner. He's all right. Oh, he's nice. And <laughs> I looked around, but I was a bit worried because everyone was so friendly and nice. And I kept thinking, it's a cult. I know what they want. They want divorcees who've got a house. This is my head. Yeah. And uh, they're going to they're gonna slave or sex slave. I'm going to make it. And now <laughs> the, the teacher came on and he had a Hawaiian shirt on. He was like Perry Como square. He was like, a, you know, like as tall as, but. Beauty. I mean, what a lovely soul. However, and he came on and I was judging what he was wearing. He had a big ring and I was judging that. I was judging everything around me. And he sat down and he said, um, he went through some of the basics of the principles that I taught, teach. And um, he said, and now we'll do a closed eye process. And I went, I'm not closing my eyes. I closed one. <laughs> I thought I'll close one and have a look around because I'm not closing both. And then he, he looked at me and I went, I closed my eyes so quick. And I started listening. And he started explaining the roles we take on, the roles, the rules, the duties. And he mentioned the word drama queen. Well, I couldn't keep, I couldn't, ah, I went, 
I got my eyes went, I thought, it's me. I'm a tra- I've been drama all my life. I came from a dramatic family in a dramatic neighbourhood. It was all drama. Mm. And when I heard that, I thought, I've got to listen. And I had three days of complete bliss, finding out why I behaved the way I did, what caused it, how I caused it, how I was hiding my gifts, how um, the, the mindset and the belief. Now, this is 30-odd years ago when it was woo-woo, because if yeah. you're into anything like that, you know, you're, she's gone, she's lost the plot. Every, my whole family thought, oh, here she goes again, you know. And I came back and um, it was like a domino. You know, like you see these dominoes, they're all set up and you flick it and yeah. they'll go, pa, 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 pa. it was like that. And it was like, God, this is, I've got to get this out there. This is incredible. And um, so I decided to train with him, which was bloody expensive, but I didn't care. I'd get credit cards. I just, I'm going to go. And I trained in Hawaii uh, with him. I was backwards and forwards all the time and doing the process and we, We'd start at seven in the morning till 12 at night, going through what you needed to do to clear, to understand, to become a better you, to mm. have the life you want or or to to find your purpose, to find your gifts, you know, because everyone's gifted. Yes. Yeah. Everyone is gifted. Um, I wrote a book called The Secrets of a High-Heeled Healer. And basically at the front, it's like uh, like an angel with a crooked halo because that's crooked halo and wings. Mm. But here she's got a backpack on. And in, in the book, I explain, we go to a special place before we born and we choose all our gifts and we put them in our backpack. And then we come from heaven where we all decided we're going to meet again. We probably made a decision once to meet again. Mm. And as we're coming through the clouds and all that, we get land on earth, we get amnesia. And it's like, what are we doing here? Who's that? Because you chose your mum and dad. Brother and sister? No way. I wanted the rich house. What are we doing here with no toilet and no bath? Well, you yeah. know, what are we doing here? And we, but in the gifts, we get we get embarrassed that we're gifted, mm. even from a child. So what we do, we cover it up. And if we see someone limping, we'll limp because we don't want to run. And if we see someone not doing too well, we'll be become that rather than take this off and start showing your gifts. Because once you realise what your gift is, you then pass it on. Yeah. And the processes are about finding your gift and passing it on to the other person. Then you're free to carry on in your journey, which is a magnificent journey. You know, it's, uh, it is magical. I mean, I've been doing it a long time. You know, like I'm 70 now. I was 70 like a couple of months ago, and I can't believe I got here. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And um, I look back, and it's been miraculous. I mean, if you just follow it, just keep following this path and synchronicities and, and being open. And when you see someone that you've got, if they think, oh, I'm not too keen, but you've got to see what don't you like about them? Because a part of you, you're projecting onto them. Mm. And you can bring that back, heal that, and you become more whole again. You know, so um, that's how it started, really. Wow. That's how the high healer started. I mean, I got on the name when I was in Germany because I worked all over the world. And I had uh, two translators in Germany and uh, either side. And I speak fast, so I needed to. <laughs> uh, and this woman came up and she was a big fraulein. You know, like they get the plaits and they have them down Oh, down. yeah. <laughs> and she had a big skirt, like a Durandal skirt. And she said, um, hello. And I went, hello. I said, oh, God. Because you're never quite sure what people are going to. She says, I have been here many years. I have been many healing journeys. I have uh, I have music healing. I have sound healing. I have I have been in many seminars. But I have never seen the healer in high heels. <laughs> I thought, oh, brilliant, because That's great. Yeah, I haven't got to go to, I don't need a guru, I haven't got to go anywhere. And I thought, what a brilliant name. Yeah. But I spell it high-heeled heel, as in high heels, not as in healed, yes. you know. 
and um, yeah, so that's how it started. And oh, it just goes on. Incredible! On. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's loads here yeah. that we're oh, going to we're going gonna... to dig right in yeah. if that's all yeah. right. But so let, just let me take you back because there's so much in your journey. <laughs> yeah. Let me take you back to those early years in Manchester because mm-hmm. that's where life started. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I've got you know, being a Mancunian <laughs> myself, Stratford girl I was, <laughs> um, and well, still am actually. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so when you were growing up, life was pretty tough, wasn't it, yeah, back then? Because yeah. you were six the el- eldest of six. six. Yeah. Tim Bath, two no up, toilets. two down, Terrace, yeah. all of that. Yeah. So yeah. Talk, talk about that environment and how you think that has impacted you or impacted you through your life until, you know, you kind of got this realisation of, of where that fitted in. What was life like for you growing um, up? I can't say it wasn't tough, that, because we didn't know any different. Mm. You know, it's a good mum and a good dad. They didn't any different. They didn't never hit us. They never swore. They didn't drink. Didn't have affairs. I did all that. <laughs> I made up for it. And um, and what I learned then was to share because when there's six of you, you have to learn to share. I'm still doing it now. Mm. You know, you, you, and I just knew that there'd always be more. Somehow I just knew I, you could, there's always more. And not to worry about um, not having enough of this, enough of that, because if that thought is in your mind, that's what you're creating. And in that area there, everyone, nobody had anything really. Mm. And um, yeah, actually, you know, it sounds daft, considering I had little, it was a, a community and that's what everyone's looking for now. And it's a community of elders and children and, and people that, um, you know, might be on the edge of, I don't know, sadness or depression, but there was always someone there that they could go to and have a little chat with and and it was that, and then then they moved us all out of the slum area and scattered everybody. So that disappeared. We ended up in a great big estate um, with a lot of with a lot of land around you in a big sky. And I remember when I was a kid looking up because I hadn't seen the sky that much because living in, I mean, it was like three miles out of Manchester, so it was like factories and mills and all that and little terraced houses, and you didn't see the sky that much because it was like oh, I remember on this estate and it was like oh I got a bit frightened because the sky was so big it was like oh god and I went to a different school because as I say passed me 11 plus which was like a big thing then yeah 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 especially there and um I had to get two buses to go to school so I didn't have any friends around there my friends have always been away Mm. and it's still the same now it's really weird how you see what you do in your life yeah so yeah it was um I learned how to make money there I learned how to be an entrepreneur I created things um, I sold things, I made things, I bartered. But I remember one of the first deals I ever did, and I was really embarrassed. One of my aunties was an outside machinist. Right. And I, it was a designer. It was a posh one, but I don't know. So she had stacks of all these sewing that she'd be sewing away. And she said, I need someone to do buttonholes. And I went, I'll get you someone. And I found a woman who could do the buttonholes for her. And the buttonholes, I think they were... Mm, I think there was tuppence each to do a buttonhole. Mm. And I went to this woman and said, I've got someone who wants buttonholes making. She said, it's tuppence each. I went back to my auntie and I said, it's 3p for a buttonhole. <laughs> but she went back to the company. But yeah. for me, it was, yeah. oh God, I feel really embarrassed I'm doing that. You know, I'm making money on someone else, but yeah. that's business. I didn't know, I didn't know that was okay. You know, so um, that was a, a lesson to learn yeah. that you could make money and everyone could win. You know, yeah. so which yeah. part of Manchester were you in originally? The slum area, and then where did you? It was called Miles Platting. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. My Harper nan used to live around there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So they probably know, probably, probably yeah. related. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, 
you know, it's a long time ago. It was like in the 60s, 63, mm. I think. It, 62, 63, they pulled it down and went, you know, went, moved us up there. Yeah. yeah. My mum and dad didn't tell us where they'd gone. They just give us like an address and we had to find it. I didn't think they wanted all there, you know, like it's like, where do we live? Oh my <laughs> Two God. Buses. Hard to yeah. imagine. Yeah. But that, that work ethic then, because obviously, yeah. you know, Massive. coming from a very working class family, which Absolutely. I do as well, yeah. that's certainly something that stayed with me. Yes. You know, you have to put the effort in. Yes. You have to. I mean, obviously, yes. you want to work smart, yes. you know, clearly. But yeah, did, was that instilled in you from a young age that, you know, um, you have to put you have to do do the hard work working hard yeah yeah, yeah my dad worked really hard my mum had the kids you know i mean that was tough six well five in that in that little two up two down no is that was tough but we didn't really different so it was okay and it was loving and i still go back to the christmases in nostalgia you know and you think my poor mum and dad how did they manage because there's only one working yeah you know and uh, my dad absolutely adored my mum so she was always dressed immaculately and they'd go, um, there was a, a company called Stuart's where you could go and get really good clothes. And he used, the Stuart's man used to come around every Friday. My mum would pay him, I don't know, a shilling or something like that. But she would look, she'd have the most amazing clothes because my dad adored her, mm. you know. So to be with, this is really weird really because if you're with a, a dad that adores a mum, you expect that. Mm. It's like, well, that's how it is, isn't it? You don't see the the nasty and the, you know, I mean, it could get nasty because men do and women do, mm. you know, I mean, that's what happens. He gets frustrated. She got frustrated, yeah, you know, but um, yeah, you still have that dream of the happy relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And then the move to, the move to London then. So yeah. when you were still quite young, so you already had Maxine at that point. Yeah. I got married to my first love. Yeah. We went, we went to see uh, Romeo and Juliet and decided to have a baby. We didn't see the end when they killed. When they died, we didn't see the end. It lasted about five minutes, you know. And there's me all of a sudden, 17 with a lump, and then like Adder, and then, oh, what? And then it just split. He just did. He had no chance. He was no chance because he was only 17 as well. So. Yeah. But I mean, she's been with me all that time, you know. Gosh. And then, so then you moved to London. Why London? Was it just that you knew there was there was more money to be well, made there? Obviously, you had you had the offered the, the, the role, right? Was that? Well, yeah, because I worked at Playboy Manchester. Yeah. And then um, I met a guy who runs Playboy London on the Dice Pit, and uh, we f we fell in love, and uh, I moved down there. And uh, but fortuitous again, it was never nothing's ever been planned. Mm. Nothing's ever been planned, and I always end up in the right place at the <laughs> right time, you know. And it's like, how did you get here? Trust you the know, process, it I is guess. To, to remember unique, sacred timing, trust, yeah. you know, to remember unique, sacred timing. But at the time, I didn't know, you know, and I ended up in um, in London. That was like massive, you know, it's like God coming from Manchester yeah. to London, everyone thought he was loaded when you went back home because she was earning good money and yeah i used to work 10 days off and four days off or no, 10 days on and four days off and go back to see max and spoil her as much as you can um but i still had to get on with my life too because mm. my mum looked after her and um yeah that was the journey then that ended and i met uh, my i married uh, my son's rogers dodger's dad mm. he worked in casinos and then um, we lost everything again absolutely everything we had a really good life you know, detached bungalows, 24, 25 in, in Surrey, you know, the whole lot. We worked really hard. And uh, the casino was closed. We lost everything. We lost the house. We lost the kids because the kids went to mum and dad in Wales. Um, well, we started another business off, which is pubs and all that. And, uh, and then to start again, you know, so I'm used to losing and starting and losing and starting. And it don't matter because you're always, you're always okay. You know, you're always learning something new. And it's all in one way. It's frightening, 
but fear and excitement are like different side of the coin. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's really fascinating as you're talking because I think yeah. so many people, yeah. they're, they're so scared of what they might lose, judgment yeah. or, you know, yeah. all of this sort of stuff coming from very sort of probably scarcity mindset yeah. that they never get going. They never, yeah. they, they therefore have these dreams that they never fulfill. Oh, yeah. And it's just such a shame because we only have one life, don't yeah. we? And, and well, we might think, have more, you never know. Well, we I'm might have more. more. We might have more, we might have more. But all we know is the certainty of the here and now. Now, yeah, sure, absolutely. I guess. Um, and live the best. Yeah, be yeah. the best version that yeah. you possibly can. But yeah. you know that resilience, that yes. that being able to, I mean, that's a big deal when you've got your lifestyle, you've got, you know, really successful career, yeah. you've got the fancy house in the country, cars, all yeah. of the bells and the whistles. And also, I guess, an element of Manchester girl done good. You did well. You know. we did well, yeah. And well, then we all to, shared it though. We right. always shared it. Yeah. It's, that's from the family thing. You know, it's, that was really weird. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So when you lost it all then, mm. and as you say, you've had to sort of restart a number of times. Yes. How do you go about that? Because I think people listening that maybe are in a position where they've lost it all and they're feeling yeah. a bit, well, where do I, where the hell do I go from yeah. here? What would you, what, what process did you go through and how did you pick yourself up and get started again and, and then ultimately become Actually, successful Actually, you know, I again? don't know up until about, about, a year ago when we started looking with my son, at, you know, his journey. Mm. And really, when I think back, what I did then was to look at all the things that I could do or that I had done that were could use or could be part of a new uh, a new life. Mm. And um, and once you start realising what skills you do have, because we think, oh, I can't do these and I can't do that. But even knitting, even sewing, even anything. But look at anything that you've done and you love doing. You know, and, and somehow with spirit, because I work with spirituality yes, and everything, yeah. it comes in, which your mindset again. It's that mindset. Of course I can do it. That happened for a reason. That's done. Let's see where this journey takes us. And if you've got that mindset, the, the journey gets easier because you're looking and thinking, well, for some reason this had to happen. So you don't actually judge it. You don't get into that de depth of negativity. Mm. For some reason, this had to happen. And as you go along your path, you think, this is why it had to happen. It's to help people, you know, and that that's that's what I look at, you know. I always think, well, for some reason, I don't know what the reason is, and then you move on again, you keep going. Yeah, yeah. and I love what you just said there because it's around thinking about, well, what 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 are the resources around yes. me? What am I good at? What do I love? Yeah. And you What's can your always, yeah, you can yeah. always make money, and you can always yeah. drag yourself out of any situation yeah. if yeah. you've got that mindset. Yeah. But also the mindset, having the mindset alone. Um, gives you a, a, an, an energy that you wouldn't have had. Mm. So you don't sit back and go, oh, poor me. You think, okay, I'll move on. And and it's exciting. I've got to say, a lot of really wealthy entrepreneurs lose the money because they get bored. They get to the top. They get really bored. Oh, cancel. Um, get really bored. And then they lose everything because they like the journey. The journey is so exciting. Yeah. And when you get there, you go, <sighs> so they lose it and start again. I've worked with many millionaires, many millionaires around the world, and it's like their fear of having no money is the same as people who, ha the people who have money have the same fear as people who don't have money. It's the same fear, you know, so it's... Um, Talk yeah. about that a little bit more then, how you how you work with those sort of, I suppose, what would be perceived as incredibly high-achieving people. Yeah, well, the same, same issues. There is not one thing... I've worked all over the world. I'm not, you name a country, and I've worked in these places where I've been invited and helped. And um, it's basically, oh, it starts off back in the family. It starts, what role did you play in the family? What did you want from the family? Um, 
oh God, roles, rules and duties. And you go back to all that and you find out what decisions you made at different ages mm. and does it serve you anymore? Because um, your belief system is a thought that got stuck in time that you think is your path to success. Now, if you go back to that thought, that belief, mm. everyone's got different belief systems. When you go back to that, you think, where did this come from? And is it true? And does it work? Because mm. normally we just accept it as the truth. Once you start querying all that, you go, oh, why did I think that? Why did I do that? So now you actually, you're, in, you're getting all your power back now. So those finding those belief system, what happens? And the same with, oh God, I worked. I worked in Switzerland and Germany and Austria. Really high flyers came. I mean, heart surgeons and um, oh, the top of Bundesbank and places. And these are in a group of 60 people who were there wanting to have answers and the process that i teach is from the basics and i use a lot of humor and a lot of play mm. uh, because that's what because I, that's what i do i just take things quite lightly and at the beginning it's like but this happened to me and i went well let's go back and find out and um so that's what i did and that's what i do and i remember doing one and it was with heart surgeon and he was about six three and i'm only five three <laughs> and he came to me at the end and i stood on a chair to give him a hug and he said and now I know what my heart is for. No. Oh. Because we work on the heart level, yeah. you know, the heartbreaks, the yeah. losses, the um, uh, when you don't forgive people, you know, the guilt. You work on all that. And people go, how did we get clear? And I went, you see this? This little thing here. I said, we pulled that out. But how did we get here? I said, we laughed our way. We laughed our way into this spot where this little, mm. like, stone had built a huge big rock. And then we just break that up and then start actually giving the gifts and sharing the gifts and, and uh, amazing, amazing stories happen. Um, but as a teacher, I'd say, you're not supposed to check how they're doing because it's not me doing it. I'm getting information mm. um, because I did the, the program. I trained for nine years with um, uh, Chuck Spasano. It was a long time I was there. And I was this promoter in the UK. So... I could get all my family on his workshops for free. So all my family got enlightened in a way for a week. <laughs> yeah. And then we all went back to normal. No, no, we didn't. But I mean, it did help us all, you know. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Incredible. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. No, so, I mean, it's a lot deeper than that. We're just scratching that, yeah. the surface yeah. now. But I mean, yeah. it, you clearly, well, one, you, what strikes me, one, you're mm. incredibly passionate. Oh, yeah. You've got a massive heart. Yeah. I can see that. You know, you, as you say, the humor yeah. and the this is who I am, kind yeah. of being very authentic and yeah. not trying to dress anything up, but just with a real desire to help people. I've, that is the truth. And that's what a strengths. lot of my friends who train, because the trainings are really expensive, I didn't have to pay because I promoted him. Mm. So buying his promoter, I mean, I did pay. I paid in hours and weeks and years. Yeah, and sure. But I didn't have to pay the, like, I paid a lot actually, but not full whack. And um, but I just wanted to share it. Mm. I, but I wanted to share it with people that couldn't afford to do workshops. The, the, the high class ones, three, four, five, six. This is years and years ago. And going the corporate world, I did corporate work. And I just thought, it's not, I want to work grassroots up. Mm. People said, no, you should do it down. And I said, no, I want to work it here where they've got no bloody idea. So I made the workshops reasonably priced and fun yeah. so that people could come on and change, understand themselves like I did. Because I'm not a I'm not a scientist or anything. It's just a woman who had a great idea that just mm. followed it through basically. Yeah. And um, so that's I worked in the reservations in Canada. Huge work over there with the indigenous, where they just found all those graves and that. Mm. And then I did a lot of work over there, which was we used to drive from Vancouver up to Alaska in a like a Volkswagen van, 
Me and my girlfriend, who's um, she's now married, she's in uh, Colorado, she's still doing the work. And um, we drive from the uh, reservation to reservation because she was Indian. Our class is Indian, yeah. First Nations it is now, to be correct. And I'm not politically correct, so I can't help it. <laughs> I speak quick and I think quick. Anyway, we do all that. We'd have all these uh, in, um, First Nations following us from one reserve to the next. And then, you know, like at the end, like 300 of them, we took them to our teacher who was he would help them even more, you know. And then down in South Africa, I worked over there and I was doing my book signings and, and people come, can we come to? And yes, yeah, we brought them all in from everywhere. It didn't matter. I said, just bring them in. People paid that couldn't, those that couldn't, couldn't, you know. And the same in Malaysia and Indonesia and Thailand and wow. oh, Germany, Spain, Switzerland, Guatemala. Oh, you name it. I mean, everywhere, you know. And that journey... Uh, when I sat down through COVID, I thought, God, what a life, what a life. And you couldn't make any of it up because it was all just falling into place. Mm. TV, radio, magazines, newspapers. Um, I come with the expert on telly in the day. You know, that wasn't a particularly great job because the, apparently the presenters don't like experts. And it's like, well, why did you call me on then? I wasn't even an expert, but they called me in because whatever yeah and uh, yeah it's been a fascinating journey wow how did you reconcile because you're away and you've traveled extensively mm. all over the world and mm. um, a couple of things that, that as you were talking strike mm. me is that uh cult- there are massive cultural differences but despite all of that people same. are people it's all about yeah. family it's all about relationships it's all about heartbreak literally and when you start working getting people out of heartbreak hotel they start listening anybody who wants to get their energy back rather mm. than you know, blaming people and shaming people. Mm. But when you get back that to the whole again, because when I teach, I use a tennis racket and it's like, I imagine everyone comes in whole. And the first time of like, you get hurt, you get a split mind, so you get ego mind and you get a mind, party mind that's still connected to heaven or you want to call it universal energy or whatever you want to call it. And every time you get hurt again, you know, you get a little bit more chopped off and uh, hurt, loss, abandonment, judgment, guilt, pain, all the things that make us smaller. So we, we, we get really, really tiny after being like this. Mm. And you get to a point point, you go, oh, it's got to be more to life than this. And that's when you say that and heaven goes, da-da. Well, we'll send someone then. So this little part of you then learns how to let go of the judgment, how to let go of the shame, how to release the guilt. And you get bigger and bigger and bigger again. So you get back to your wholeness as much as you possibly can. Mm. But... In the process of doing that, and they're just processes, just exercises, and but magic happens. I mean, oh, you can't believe the th- oh, the weather changes, the doors slam, the lights flicker. You know, you go, oh, okay, we've got a lot of help here. You know, so um, yeah, is uh, is magical. Uh, mm. So many stories. There's too many stories to tell. Yeah, I mean, literally, there's so many. Uh, I could make a TV show about you. That's what, well, that's they, what tried. they need to do. Oh, well, really? Well, yeah, because when I was in that area, mm. because it was new, and they were saying, how could we put this? A different companies came to me because I live near Brighton and there's a lot of producers down there. And um, I said, I can't because what I do is personal. I didn't want everyone to see people crying or no, going sure. through. I, and I, I wasn't bothered about the money and they, they were quite shocked. And then they did life laundry. And the, you remember those programs they mm. did? And um yeah, and I looked and I thought, well, I could have been doing that, but it's still not me. Yeah. I want it to be me, just be me doing what I do because I love what I do. And I don't check up when it happens, but I used to got the two-week telephone call and people have got ring up and say, you never guess what, no one tell me then. And within two weeks, things change dramatically, you know, and that's uh, that's the beauty of it. 
Yeah. But it's still not me doing it. I'm just giving the information. Well, yeah. you're the conduit, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You're the conduit. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, you're clear about what your reason yeah. why is. Why are you here oh. on this world in this To earth? help. Exactly. Literally just to help. And yeah. uh, I quite, I mean, I do miss it. I miss going out there and doing what I did. And uh, COVID anyway. And, and also, I lived uh, in 2007. I, I left the UK and went to live in a, a little island in in the Gulf of Siam, which is like a, a treasure island. I mean, Koh Panyang and Koh Samui, which is... The dream, you know, I mean, most people dream that. I lived that. I lived all that. I've lived, mm. like my son says, you must have lived about four lives. And I think I think I did. Yeah. I have. I am. You know, so. Um, you like a cat. You've got another three to go at least. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got another 10 years out of me. I'm looking for 10 years. I'm Fab- praying for 10 years. Fabulous. Yeah. So, so how did you reconcile traveling all over the world, mm. being, you know, finding you, finding yeah. the real, the real Amory yeah. versus being a mum? And being away from the kids, how, how well, did they were that play up, out? But they were grown up, right? Okay. Because Maxine, uh, Maxine left at eighteen. She went to live in Portugal, and then Dodge at thirteen went to boarding school, which was literally in shouting distance, you know. So, yeah. um, and then I didn't actually start my journey. I think he must have been thirteen, fourteen. But I was in and out. I didn't stay away for long. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you. he went to boarding school, so he's supposed to have come on at weekends. But because he was into sport. He never came over to either of us because he was always a captain. So and he loved it. So neither of us saw him really, you know. But mm, um, mm. yeah. And when we did meet, it was fantastic. And not only that, I've always said to both of them, I'm only at the end of a telephone call. And COVID's proved that right. Yes, <laughs> you know, Zoom yeah. didn't have Zoom there. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 brilliant. Yeah. And and so just coming back to to kind of. When you had your Shirley Valentine moment, mm. and I know there's oh, a lot God. of pain around around that yeah. time. So you know, if you're okay to talk, I wish it'd been it. another way. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because again, a lot of people listening to this, mm. you know, will maybe going through a similar situation Absolutely. in a relationship that isn't isn't really working. They've yeah. maybe they've been in denial for quite some yeah. time or, or whatever, and it just comes a point where you go, actually, no, this yeah. something has to yeah. change here. Yeah. Talk 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 me through your Shirley Valentine in a bit more detail and and how that. How you broke through that? Uh, well, it is the relationship. Not his fault. You know, he's a really good bloke. He really is a good bloke. And I still, he's, he's, he's Dodger's dad and he's a really good dad and he's a really good bloke. And it's a shame it didn't work. And that's why I mm. want my path yeah. to understand why I didn't do, why I did what I did, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know what happened, to say the truth. I, I just thought, oh, enough. I can't live like this anymore because I don't live, you know, I've lived in a pub or worked in a pub, but from the good life, and we had eight years doing it, solidly working from eight in the morning yeah. till 12 at night, six, seven days a week, staff turning up, not having peeling potatoes Saturday night and then clean the toilet Sunday morning. And, and it wasn't, the relationship just diminished because mm. it was just about the pub and just about the business. And it was like, I wanted a relationship. And I had a couple of flings and I got thin and I got fat and I got ill. I did anything to try and get attention. And in the end, I thought, I give up. And I went to see Shirley Valentine, the play, in London. And I parked my car outside. I didn't care. I didn't care anymore. And I parked my car outside then, double yellow lines. Didn't care. Watched it and I went, I am Shirley Valentine. I really, it was like, she's talking to the wall. And I was talking to the wall. But when the wall talked back, I thought, oh, we better get out of this. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. And, um, and we, we had separate holidays anyway. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to go on a cruise. And the cruise company was next door. So they got me quite a good deal because uh, we lived in a pub on the river. And the yeah. offices, the Caribbean cruise line was like next door. 
And I thought, oh, I'm going on that. And it was the first time really I'd ever been on my own properly, you know, properly um, just being me. Everyone loved me. It was, it was great. I mean, everyone at the table, a spare chair for me or the sun beds and it was Anne-Marie here, Anne-Marie there. And it was like, God, I love this. And it was like, and I remember waking up and my neck was killing me. And I thought, oh, I must have fell to had a drink. And it wasn't, I'd laughed that much. My neck went back. <laughs> my neck was killing me from laughing. And I thought, oh God, there is another life. There's got to be something better than I was living. Mm. And um, yeah, and that was, that was the Shirley. So uh, a couple of weeks away, extra. I'm not going back. And then I went back and then it was, things had happened. He met someone by that time or, or whatever. And I, oh, it just goes on. It just gets bitty then. And then it all clears up. Because when you're going through a breakup, it's like working through sludge because you're blaming them and it's their fault and it's nothing to do with me. But when you start looking and going, well, actually, it's a massive big part of me that, that did this, these things, which uh, I wouldn't do now. Mm. I ask my question, would you ever behave like that again? And I go, hell no. You know, and that is, that is um, when you get to that point in your life, it's like, well, that's wonderful. Mm. You know, you learn your lesson and you don't have to behave or even judge somebody for their behavior because um, we work with like judgment is that you point your finger at them, mm. points back at you and you point at God. So you can't, you've got to fill all those projections back and you would say, oh, look how they're behaving. And the question is, have you ever behaved like that? And you go, oh, well, actually I did. Or I'd rather die than behave like that. And you might do that as well, but it's to look at it. And then you pull that projection back, you hooks onto them. It's got energy attached to it, which brings you, once you pull it back, you get empowered because it's like you release them. You release mm. all these energies around you that are hooks around people that keep you small, keep you old, keep you ill. And it's like, oh my God, you know, start releasing them, cut, cut, cut. And it's like, whew. And you feel, fun. it is an energy lift. It really is about energy. And that's what I teach, you know. Mm, it's learning, still learning, still yeah. learning a lot. I mean, heck, yeah, we're yeah. a work in progress. Oh, until absolutely, the day we die, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the word, isn't it? Yeah, but that I think that's it is re, it is refreshing to hear because I think there's there's so much in what you've said around just giving yourself space yeah. to to remove yourself from an environment to yeah. be you and to just kind of process some things yeah. and and really process. start to understand you know the part that you've played because mm -hmm. so often I mean I see it a lot in in the mentoring that I do yeah. where. You know, sometimes people can be a bit of the victim. It yeah, absolutely. Being done to me. Yes. Well, well no, yeah. actually, yes. life is for you. You know, yes. and and I think when you realise that you're responsible mm -hmm. for your life, for your actions, for your responses, and it isn't always about other people, then you, the the control is back with you, yeah. and then you can switch that. Yeah to a positive and say, well, actually, I can I can put yeah. that into something really positive and take my weight myself forward. Yes. So yeah. I think that that kind of stepping back from a difficult scenario, giving mm. yourself that space that you had. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, you touched on around some of the things that, you know, went on in your in the lifestyle you had in London, mm. you know, mm. and I guess the glamour, you know, the parties, glam. all of yeah. that. Yeah. How much of... How much of the things that happened in, in your relationships do you think was partly influenced by the environment you were in? Because you must have been mixing with some incredible, like famous people, stars, a lot of money yeah, and in yeah, that casino it, world. It, it never phased us because it was just when you look at them, they were like just normal. Because when you're in there, they're just normal people. It's the PR that makes them up to something special. And they're not, they're just normal people. In fact, it's quite weak, some of them. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and the, the, uh, they don't show themselves. 
So really, I wasn't enthralled by it, I've got to say. Okay. I was just being me. Yeah. And you know what? They love people that are real. And that made it even easier because it was just being me. They thought it was hilarious. You know, because I didn't, I had nothing to hide, basically. It was just like, yeah, you're rich, so what? Or you, so, does it matter? Yeah. I'm here now having a good time. And uh, yeah, so... Yeah, outside it might have looked great and fab, but to me it was just quite normal, to say the truth. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and it, everything becomes like normal. Yeah. You know, it's just, for me, the path is just a path. And I laugh when I'm ending up, say, with the Saudi royal family or whatever in the casinos, and they, I learned to speak a bit of Arabic, and they used to call me down to deal to them. And, ah, uh, oh, Marie, Anne-Marie, we bring Anne-Marie, she's very lucky. And, oh, we had, it was just, it was just fun because I was young. Mm. I was young and I just thought, I thought everything was fun at one point. And um, actually, at the end of the day, everything is fun. So, but yeah. we've got to remember that. We keep forgetting, we get really serious and think it's everything like, get on meanie mouth and pity parties. And it's like, oh, yeah. get, off, get off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's incredible. Yeah. And and in terms of where you are now then, because yes. you've, you've had one hell of a, one hell of a journey so up to much. this point. Oh, yeah. Can we talk a little bit around what you're facing right now with some of the mm. health challenges and, and what's happening in your life now and how yeah, you're it's a biggie. that? Yeah, it's a biggie. And um, it was about, uh, I had I had some like um, symptoms and I never bothered to go check because they said don't because it's COVID. And you can't do this, you can't. I'm not blaming anybody because no. I probably wouldn't have gone anyway. Anyway, my doctor said, mum, you've got to go and get it checked. And I went and got it checked. And then um, the doctor said, oh, when he told me what he'd found, and it was just a doctor because it was in my colon. And he said, you're um, very strong, aren't you? I said, well, I'm stoic. And he went, oh, well, we'll make sure you're on this path. And it's like a two-week everything. So within two weeks, I saw the, um, oh, I saw so many surgeons and doctors and everything. And by the February, I'd dodge with me. And Maxine, you know, they came at different times. And, um, and the very end result was you've got ovarian cancer, uterus cancer, colon cancer, and we found a spot on your breast. And I went, forget about the breast. Oh, we're going to see a specialist. I said, no, 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 forget about the breast. I've got enough down there to be coping with. And she said, then there's nothing we can do. It's too big. And I went, okay, then. She said, but you could have chemo and it might shrink it. Well, I'm into alternative. I lived in Thailand. I live raw. I did um, fasting and meditation and yoga and, you know, whatever this was. I know where it is now. It's did a heck of a lot of work around it. And or was, I should say, wrong word. And um, there's nothing we can do. She said, but if you did chemo nine months, um, we could take your, ba- your, your bladder, your colon, your uterus, your ovaries, but you'd be on chemo the rest of your life. And I just said, sod off. That's my favourite word. I went, no way, I'm not doing that. There's not. I said, because I came back from Thailand to nurse my best friend. Right. Um, she had, funnily enough, very similar and she did the chemo. She was super fit. And it took a form and she, she died. She passed. And I used to say, oh, she showed me how to die. And actually, afterwards, when I looked, I thought, no, I can't go that route. She showed me how to live. So um, I said, well, I'm not doing the chemo. So she said, uh, but it's moving. Because I, I said to them, don't tell me any dates or times. I don't need your dates or times. Because I was like, got my own mindset. And then she said, um, and I'd actually shook her hand and said, no dates, no times. And she said to me, but it's moving very fast. And I went, no, no. And um, I said, I'll go a different route. Well, and she, you know, she was a doctor. She's an oncologist. She lives that world. I live a different world. Mm. And um, so my son was like, we're like gobsmacked. It's all been taped because 
he wanted it taped so my daughter could hear exactly word for word. And he went outside and he said, because we did a high five, me and my son, did a high five. Then he must have thought, God, big loopy family here. And they're all masked up. I said, I can't listen. I've got to take my mask off because all I saw was his eyes. Mm. Went outside and Dodge says, he said, Mum. I said, what? He said, I feel like Superman. I said, yeah, because you're with Superwoman. Come on. Oh. So that night we went home and uh, had a lovely meal and uh, a really nice glass of red wine. And in the morning he said, uh, Mum, uh, we're doing a video podcast today. And I went, Dodge. And I felt battered. I was physically, emotionally battered. Not by anybody else, but, you know, frightened. Yes. And um, and I went, okay, so here we go. So I was in the studio where you heard Dodge speaking. Yeah. Uh, and he had tears in his eyes because he wanted to ask all the questions that he could never ask or never ask. And that we're being videoed and his tears, oh. tears in mine. I, sp I spoke really fast because I wanted to get it all done for him. Mm. And um, that day he said, what do you want to eat? I said, nothing. I said, I'm going to go on a, a fast. Now, I've always wanted to do, I've done 12-day fast, lots of them, and uh, it's really good for the system. And there's a thing called autophagy, where when you stop eating for 36 hours and more, the, the strong cells in your body eat the weak cells. I knew all this, and uh, I'd trained with all this, and I loved it. I know, I loved it. So I said, right, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. It's biblical. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's in all religions. So um, he went, 40 days, I said, yeah, I'm going to do a grape fast, which I'd always wanted to do, always. But I had a belief that I had to go somewhere exotic and do it and find somewhere I can go and get the grapes, and, mm. you know, and all that. And I thought, no, I, I'm in Bournemouth, get me some grapes. <laughs> I'm in Little Hamilton, get me some grapes. So I actually did a 47-day grape fast. Wow. So when, when the oncologist rang up and she said, and how are you doing? Like two, down, two months down the line, I said, well, I'm walking five, six miles a day. I said, um, the, the mucus isn't as bad. And I said, I feel well. And she said, well, what drugs are you on? I said, I'm not on any. She said, well, what did you do? I said, I did 47-day grape fast. She went, you didn't eat 47 days. I said, I said, grapes and juice. Because that they say, and this is going out, it might not be true, but my belief is that grapes are tumour busters. Um, and that's according to a guy called Dr. Robert Morse and, you know, is worth checking up on. He's mm. got some really good people I can send people to. And um, so I did it and I lost weight, obviously, because there's no sugar, no bread, no pasta. I love pasta, I love rice, I love bread. I've got a real breaded. All mm. that went out. And I don't know where the 47 days went because at the same time, I also started working um, from YouTube and I bought, um, some bought me some download online courses from a guy called Dr. Joe Dispenser. On believable i mean i've got to say if anybody gets youtube they're free on youtube please listen please it change your life not only this of that i used to have or if i've got it or not it don't really matter because from that day onwards uh, being diagnosed that diagnosis mm. it wasn't my termination i was terminating what they could offer me basically because they, they couldn't so here i am now six months down the line i lost uh, 26 pounds which is only five pounds a month which isn't that bad, really, when you think about it, you know. Um, I'm having the best life, you know. I've got my kids, I've got my family, I've got my friends. I did, um, I was 70 and I did a party in the park, a picnic in the park it was, and it was um, a celebration of life. And that's what it's about, you know, every day is a good day. Don't ever give up, do not ever give up. You're never alone. You'll always, if you open your heart, mind up, There'll always be someone there 
with the right word you just got to keep your ears open mm. keep your ears open and you know and zip it sometimes I know I haven't zipped it today but it's my chance to speak you know so yeah, yeah. oh my gosh I yeah. mean it's incredible I'm, I'm feeling a bit tearful <laughs> as you're talking yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean there, there aren't really any words to add to what you've said to be honest no, Marie. it's no. incredible and it, and it is what it is yeah you know the, yeah. the weirdest thing is that um I forget I forget that this thing's supposed to be here or not and even if it is or not I speak to people that they could just drop dead down and I've got a chance to actually make things right and carry on mm. helping people because I, I will I will carry on doing my work. I want to help people understand their beliefs, their heartbreaks and move out of those places, their fear of failure, fear of success. You know, there's easy. I mean, it's once you want to, if you want to change, the right people will come. Mm. Uh, the first book I ever got that way was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Four ninety nine. I must have given thousands away, and I wrote to this woman, Susan Jeffers. This is in the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, so it's thirty years I've been doing this work because it was woo woo at the time. Yeah. And now it's just normal. It's all mindset on there. You know, they don't go deep enough. I don't think, but that's me. And um, so I wrote to Susan Jeffers, and she said, "Oh, I don't give workshops, but when the teacher's ready, when the student's ready, a teacher will appear." So that's what happened. Uh, Chuck turned up. So I trained there, and then I trained on. I changed oh, there's so many different trainings that we amalgamated into the, a different style. So you learn one thing and you learn this and this, and then you actually, it's like a colander, so it all comes in to pr produce another form of, I wouldn't say healing, processes, say, mm. that you can actually learn for you and pass it on. All you do is keep passing it on, pass it on. Anyway, there's a place in Piccadilly called St. James, St. James's, Excuse me, and they used to have all the top trainers there coming in. And my friend used to run it, Nick Williams, and he said to me one day, I've got a surprise. And this is like 93, 94. I said, what? He said, oh, we've got Susan Jeffers speaking. I went, oh, oh, wow. And, and he introduced me to her. And I said, oh, your book, it saved my life, because it's all about fear, different levels of fear. Yeah. And I said, I passed it on to so many people. And we stood there crying the pairs, hugging each other. And it was amazing, that little book, that little book that cha can change things, that one word, that one look, that one openness, that, that allowing yourself to forgive and be forgiven. You know, you've got to accept forgiveness and forgiving. And mm. I mean, it does go deep at times, but at the end of the day, you're free. You're freer than you were. Every step is a freedom step. Mm. Don't ever be frightened. No, 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 need, no need to be frightened ever, yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. it's incredible it really yeah. is and and so you're still working you're still helping people uh, yeah not like I did I'm, I mean obviously COVID and all that yeah. I mean and I used to have workshops all over the show yeah. I used to the first one I ever did was brilliant it was called the, the Shirley Valentine experience for anybody who wanted to run away because my thing was you didn't have to run away after learning what I knew yeah I, you didn't have to run away you just work on yourself and you can work things out so it has to be fun so I called it that anyway and uh, everyone had to bring a swimsuit a sarong and a sense of humour Okay. And they never had to bring um, food from the country they'd run away to. So there was paella and sausages and Chinese and whatever the country they wanted to go to. And it was all laid out. And I also asked the ladies, it's a couple of gents, but now it'd be half and half. In them mm. days, it was mainly women. And uh, I said, I'm going to put a nature table at the back. Because when I was a kid, you'd have like uh, a nature table, you'd have leaves on it. And yeah, all that. Yeah. I said, bring all the stuff that you're working on, what you're making, what you're doing. A uh, networking board. So we had that. And... Um, yeah, it was fascinating. We had a really good day. Had all that food. The Sunday Times came down. Sky TV, my first workshop. All these people came down because the journalists were intrigued. 
well, journalists, as you know, I mean, some of them, sorry, journalists, but aren't that nice. Mm. And um, consider it's my first workshop and it was like, God. And it got in the Sunday Times. Like, can you imagine that, your first Incredible. workshop? But she said, sorry, with the whinge on top. <laughs> and it was like, what? He stopped me doing it <laughs> for ages. Because someone, you were only trying to help and they yeah. slated it in yeah. every way they could. Yeah. But that was okay because the, the healing and the fun from it, because we had a, everyone had a swimsuit and a strong, we could have a swim and then I brought the, the guys in from Isha and the Greek restaurant and they broke the plates and I got mum champagne that gave us free bottles of champagne and, um, oh, is, what's that? It's called, is it called slush? What's it called, those shops that, oh. um, this, this, oh, they're really smelly. Oh, Lush. Lush, Lush. yeah, yes. sorry about that. But they <laughs> give us like, lots of gifts, so everybody had goodie bags to take oh, away. And, um, yeah, yeah, so I do things with a lot of humour. Yeah. It went on TV because all of a sudden it, it was, it would been videoed and it was like, on telly, there's me, me in my one room with a, I didn't even have a computer then, I don't think. Didn't have, we had email. Oh, no, we had fax in them days. Got 400 phone calls. But I had no one to back it up to. I, could you do it here? Could you do it there? And I went, yeah. But I never had a backup. So yeah. it was like, a, yeah. Different so. time. Different. And you did Sex and, Sex and the City That was ones, a good one. You, well, you were telling me earlier. Sex and the City was a good one because I've got a journalist friend. And she said, have you seen Sex and the City? And I said, no. So I got all the videos. And what I looked at, because it's all about relationships. I looked yeah. at the four women and their different styles in relationship. And what would be holding them back if they wanted a relationship. Mm. Or what was... You know what wasn't working for them, so I'd have a bought a rented place in Soho because they lived in Soho in New York, and uh, I think it was called St Anne's in Soho. Did workshops there, Sex in the City, same thing. Lots of journalists, yeah, and um, some were nice, some weren't. But that's they get paid for whatever they get paid for doing, and um, yeah, it was fascinating. But it was good, Aww. something different, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And then uh, yeah, yeah, I did lots of different workshops all over the world. Incredible. Different titles, different places, you know, um, the same thing. Everybody wants a happy family. I ended up working in South Africa. Uh, it was, what's it called now? I can't remember. But it's where the women had lived on the streets who'd had AIDS. And um, at the very end, they were taken into places, but they had babies. So um, they'd see me on TV because they did a big TV, TV program around me over there. And this uh, woman who run it said, could you come and do work? I went, yeah, of course. What do you want? She said, we have no money. I said, matter. it never bothered me. It never, because this comes in, that goes out. It wasn't. And I remember I was in this um, this room and it had no windows in it. It had a flip chart with just two legs on the actual board and a brown pen. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up holding two of the little babies because the women were in, you know, tears and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. At the end of the day, everybody just wanted a happy family. Mm. You know, that bonding to get back to the mum and dad, the bonding in the womb, because we go take people back to the womb. What was happening for your mum? What was happening to your dad? Because we are shamans and in that shamanic place, we would actually take sometimes their pain on and your dad's pain on or your mum's pain on. And then it's we come and we're thinking, why do I feel like that? Well, actually, sometimes it's not yours. So we went back to that because remember that gift pack? I mm. remember about the gift. Yes. You have a gift for everybody. Everyone, I've gone all goose pimply now. Yeah. And um, so that gift, you say, what what was the gift your mum would have needed here? And she said, oh, she needs support. Give her the gift of support. And that, you start bonding from from in the womb. Wow. You can't go further back. We can yeah. you, you, The games, you can go further back or forward. But this is, what I've worked with all around the world is that level of bonding that then gets you to a place of understanding and a place of release and a place of like, oh, 
Oh, a place of what would he say the word would be? Freedom. A place of freedom to be you with all your qualities mm. and share them. You know, whoever you meet, whatever you do, you don't have to be clever. You haven't got to be gorgeous. You haven't got to be rich. You can just be you, mm. you know, and... and and that's it basically wow it's incredibly yeah. powerful my gosh it's yeah. so honestly your journey we could talk for hours and hours I think. <laughs> i've got a lot of stories <laughs> you have oh, you amazing have. stories yeah. incredible yeah. incredible yeah. so if you think about your very colorful life and mm. and then the journey you're on right now as well yeah, you know biggie. That's, yeah. that is a massive massive yeah. uh, i really appreciate you being so open and honest about it because you know it's There's no other way no i know but yeah. for a lot of people they yeah. it's it would they wouldn't be so open and i think mm. by talking as you have done mm. it helps it's going to help a lot of people. i hope so i, I don't want anyone sure. to be frightened what i what what i want from this is uh allow people to be empowered yeah that even if whatever happens happens not the end it's a beginning and this journey is the beginning of something else mm. you know and you just don't know where it's going to go exactly you don't know you know yeah. that's the exciting bit you know yeah 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 no it's, yeah. it really is and and i think you've given you 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 just give so much you can see that you 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 know you the help you yeah. you've, you've already given to so many people and what's yet to come um, yeah you know yeah. it's is it, it, really powerful yeah. um if you think about the advice that you've had over the years yourself mm. Can you think of a, a, you know, sort of the best piece of advice or a piece of advice that is really, you, you thought, yeah, actually, I've carried that with me through my life or it was transformational when you look back? One of the first things I learned on this, when I was on the cult, I thought it wasn't a cult, but yeah. I was in there thinking it was in the eyes like that. And I heard him say, um, let go of comparison and let go of competition. And I thought, I didn't know it was like that. But when you look, you are. Mm. And so I visualised two, two suitcases full of the comparisons and full of the competitions. And I just thought, you know what, just put them down. And you could do it yourself. You could just think, oh, just let it go, let him go. But it was those particular things, the comparison of you've got to be a certain way and the competition of she's doing better than me or he's doing. And letting that go, it's like, you haven't got to bother about that. Step forward, take that step and see what meets you because coming towards you is something. Now you can't go very far with them because in them days we didn't have wheels on them either. You wouldn't have any wheels and it'd be really heavy suitcases, you know. So that was that was a huge thing, letting mm. go of comparison, letting go of competition. Yeah. I love that. That's Yeah, incredible. it's a biggie one. I mean, this oh, God. Yeah, I mean, there'd be gazillions of pieces of advice, but that one's yeah. obviously landed and stuck yeah. with you all, all these yeah. years. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. But you're free then because you can still be you. you know? yeah. You're unique. We forget how unique we are. We forget how beautiful we are. We forget how talented you know, because we don't, we don't want to listen because remember we hid the mm. gifts mm. and we walk around and think we've got a hump back. You haven't. Just take that cape off, show your wings and start giving them gifts. Make a list of 12 gifts that you brought into the world and who needs them. In your life, who would need the gift of understanding? Who would need the gift of forgiveness? Who would need the gift of um, success? Who would need the gift of compassion? Who, Whatever your gifts are, but give them the minute you give them they come back 10 20 100 fold mm. it is it's universal energy you yeah. know it really is i mean i go a lot deeper with the spiritual stuff sure. but that'll be another day <laughs> yeah that, that's for that's around that's for the second follow-up yeah. podcast which we absolutely must do but no that's great because you've 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 given a piece of advice that's that's really stuck with you and then mm. you've just given another amazing piece of yeah. advice to yeah. everyone that's listening can you think of any sort of bad advice that you 
that maybe hasn't worked out so well that you took and you wish you hadn't or piece of advice that you you actually ignored and you were really relieved that you did ignore it yeah it's a daft one but it is when we was going through all the turmoil in my marriage i mean my mum had six kids right so she said have another baby and i went what she said, oh yeah it always works and my dad said don't you dare and i'm glad i listened to me dad you know it was have another baby why what would that have done you know, so, um, yeah. Gosh, yeah. yeah. But a lot of relationships that, you know, are, ironically, they, they do take that path. Yeah, and, make and up it babies. Just really, yeah. It's just like sticking plaster over again. Well, the, thing, the, the, the kid or the child also knows that he's a makeup child. I've worked with people that are makeup children, right. you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, God, because they've still got all that stuff. Because the mum and dad hasn't looked at what they brought in. You know, it doesn't stop. It can go back and back and back. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Oh, good. So you, you ignored that one. I did. <laughs> you I, you know, I could have had five kids, six kids by now. You could have done. You could have yeah. done. Yeah. I'll yeah. <laughs> be dead oh. in a bottle of Bacardi, one or the other. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's not yeah. think about the alternative yeah, options. Yeah. And just my final question. Well, actually, mm. no, there's one more question before, um, before I ask the last one. Mm. Where can people find you? Because obviously you've got your book. You've got so much that resources that that's going to help people um, how can they how well can they i've got a book you? on kindle yeah and it's just four pound fifty it should be ten i don't care i don't want the money i had to i got a friend to put it on i just waited it out there yeah because i got i got a book deal within two weeks you couldn't make that up. i mean another story i mean the story but i got a full book deal and doubled the price off them from harper collins within two weeks never written a book never done anything wow and um but that's on kindle so you can get that but other than that i don't i'm not in this i'm not into um, social media really i've got a facebook page but i don't go on it um if anyone wants to email me it's amari a-m-a-r-i 101 at gmail.com so it's amari 101 at gmail.com and um and i will be doing i mean that's i do zooms um but i want this work to get out again because i'm ready you know what i mean it's like if i don't do it now when we're going to do it yeah you know so um yeah great yeah, yeah the so. time is now only now only now it's only the minute exactly yeah. so my final question Anne-Marie if you don't mind is what does brave bold brilliant mean to you well I got it wrong because I thought it was brave bold and beautiful but brilliant is even too. better <laughs> but brilliant what's it mean oh well I think brave and bold are the same and brilliant becomes you because you're brave and you're bold you know, so actually stepping into that space of being brave because it is those first steps are frightening, gets easier. And the bold, you've got to step out of your comfort. That is frightening as well because it's all fear based to be that bold just to be you. And then what happens? You're brilliant because everyone goes, well, how did you do that? You're brilliant. And that you, you make it, you, you, that title's perfect for what you created. You've created a great show. Yeah. Oh, that's... Brave, bold, and brilliant. Yeah. Well, you absolutely are brave, bold, and brilliant. Yeah. Go in there. Yeah. Oh, but thank you so much, yeah. Anne Marie. Oh, you're it's most welcome. Incredible. Good to see you. Yeah. yeah. See you again. <laughs> absolutely. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five star review.